Welcome to The Panic Pod. The episode title today is Language and Goals. And it'll just be me on my soapbox for this episode because uh, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Language and goals in anxious recovery is so important. And yet it's the one thing that I see clients seem to not really take as important as it should be. I mean, it's so integral to recovery, the language that you use when describing your anxiety or describing yourself in your recovery, because the brain's always listening. And when I'm speaking to people either one-to-one or on my course, um, I'm often reminding them, gently reminding them, listen, look at how you're saying this and how can we reframe this in a more positive way. Now, you're probably thinking, what do you mean language and goals? What are you talking about? The majority of people listen to this podcast uh, are doing it for help with their anxiety. Maybe it's for their anxiety disorder. Maybe it's for their constant worry, the panic disorder, the agoraphobia, their obsessive compulsive disorder, their intrusive thoughts, you know, their health anxiety, etc. And one of the main pillars of what I teach um, is this concept of willful tolerance that you may have heard me bang on about either in my course or on my Instagram or whatever. And recovery is the willful tolerance of anxiety or the willful tolerance of uncertainty. And it's a skill that we practice a bit at a time. You can't just turn it on. You can't just be like, oh yeah, you know, I did the willful tolerance one afternoon in the park. You know, no, it's something that we practice and you're not going to perfect it straight away. And I certainly didn't in recovery either. But it's the only way to turn the brain off when it comes to fearing fear or having an overactive threat response. But some of the things I hear a lot and one of the biggest stumbling blocks to recovery is when people forget that this is the aim. It is the aim to willfully tolerate anxiety. So here's some of the common kind of pitfalls that I hear when people describe their recovery. Hi Josh, I had such a great week, um, but then on Sunday I spiraled and had a panic attack and now I'm back to square one. Um, That's kind of, firstly not true, but also the goal here is to tolerate anxiety, you know. And I said it, and I sound a bit cruel in my practice, I don't sound cruel, but you know, I always set the homework, like, go and practice being anxious, you know, and people come back, and they feel reassured, and they're like, oh, someone finally understands me, you know, oh, he understands the derealization, the, the, the pounding heart, the racing thoughts, the intrusive thoughts, etc., and, and that initial kind of reassurance calms us, it gives us a sense of hope, but then it also kind of takes us away from you know, actually facing anxiety. And we might have a peaceful five, six days, but we forget what the goal is. The homework that I always set on all platforms that I'm on is that you've got to practice being anxious. So you teach the brain to stop fearing anxiety itself. Because people with anxiety disorders, yeah, they have double whammy. They have anxiety, and then they have anxiety about their anxiety, or they misinterpret their anxiety, which creates more anxiety. 
Or I've said the word anxiety so much it's now lost its meaning. It just sounds like a jumbled set of sounds. Anyway, a good week for me and what I hear is, you know, you know what, Josh? Every day I was anxious and I started off at an eight or a nine and I was filled with anticipatory anxiety. And I did it anyway, which is, if you follow me on Instagram, some of the campaign of what I've been doing recently. But I did it anyway and my anxiety came down. So I was anxious to go to the music concert. I did it anyway and it came down. Yes, I wasn't completely anxiety free by the end of it when it came down. That is the step towards recovery. That is what I look for. But when people start to measure their recovery and their success by the absence of anxiety, that's when you're in trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. Trust me, the anxiety, the disordered anxiety can and will go away. I live you know, a, a very happy life now, and, and once upon a time I didn't, because I was obsessed about this secondary fear, this anxiety disorder, the symptoms, all these kind of things. Um, but now I don't, because I was willing to sort of go and tolerate it. I, I, it became my mission. I realized that a good week was how willing I was to sit with the anxiety, or not even sit with the anxiety, but just tolerate it and do what non-anxious me would do whilst it being there. And the more I did it, the less anxious I became because the brain's like, oh, you're just doing stuff and this anxiety's there, but nothing bad's happening. All right, okay, well, this, this anxiety mustn't be dangerous. I'll, I'll leave you and you and it alone. And that's how it works. Um, and that's what you've got to realize. So when you start to say things like, oh, I spiraled. Oh, I had the worst panic attack ever. It was worse than my initial one. Oh, I've had an awful week because I was anxious. You're not getting the memo. Now you're probably thinking, but that's a bit cold, Josh. You know, like you, you, you know, it's really it's really crippling. I feel detached from my family, my kids. I'm irritable. I can't access my life. Yes, I empathise with you, and I sympathise with you, and it is really, really tiring and debilitating and scary i know i've been there i've got the doctor's records it and and years of it and it's why i do what i do but let me cut you some time and you judge yourself on your willingness i think i, I put, put a, a quote on socials the other day it was one of them there where afterwards i was like did i say that that sounds really wise and it was um recovery is not recovery is your willingness to experience anxiety not the accumulation of its absence recovery is your willingness to experience anxiety not the accumulation of its absence and so many of you fall into the trap of oh i'm two three weeks without anxiety uh, i'm anxiety free but when you measure recovery in that way, what's going to happen when anxiety does pop up? Now, I'm a psychotherapist. I'm an expert in the subject. I still get disordered anxiety now and then. Thankfully, it doesn't stick around for, for, for long, maybe 20 minutes every few days, you know? Um, and, maybe, and I just treat that as anxiety. Like every, Everyone has anxiety, and I just treat it the same. But when we try to eradicate all anxiety 
when we're so intolerant of it completely that any sign of it is a sign of failure, that's going to keep you in the trap of trying to recover. You're trying to banish all symptoms of anxiety, whether it's panic disorder or OCD and things like that. And I spent a long time trying to do that, trying to do all the shortcuts. And I meet a lot of people trying to do the shortcuts. If I can just erase all of my anxiety, I am better. And this language keeps us there. The semantics are so important. And here's the difference between someone who's recovered and someone who isn't. Now, I can go a long time without having anxiety. But I remember not so long ago, I think it was about a month ago, I was walking with um, a friend uh, who also kind of struggles a bit with agoraphobia, but doing really well. Uh, and we were walking through a shopping center, and we, we both had feelings of derealization. I felt a bit derealized. I, I often get it with bright lights and things. Anyway, I felt quite spaced out, and so did he. And the difference was he immediately went, you know, had that threat response but listen to the threat response. So he suddenly felt a bit lightheaded, a sudden urge that something bad was gonna happen, and started scanning for the, the nearest exit or the nearest toilet to run to, started to, to ruminate, body scan, and, and completely zoned out the conversation with me. And I also had the same response. Coincidentally, it was quite weird. But I was like, ah, I've just had a threat response. What I do now is really important. But also, I don't fear those symptoms anymore because I've had them for so long. I just, I've practiced not reacting to them. And so what was really nice is that both at the same time, I was modeling to him, you know, listen, I, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel great, but what would non-anxious us be doing right now? And he was like, well, I wanted to go and shop for some trainers. I was like, well then, let's go get some trainers or shoes. And we did, whilst feeling spaced out. And then honestly, about 20 minutes later, I, mine passed in about 10 minutes, about 20 minutes later, he turned to me and was like, oh, I, I stopped thinking about it. I was like, yeah, because you focused and you were willing to be anxious. You were willing to go and get some shoes and trainers despite feeling those things you don't like. Whereas in the past, your habit is to just react and do something just in case, you know? Whereas, again, I speak to a lot of people where they think that being anxious equals failure. It's not failure. You're taking your eyes off the prize. The prize is, I can do that stuff anyway, and I don't mind. Now, if you can cultivate that mindset, as well as being patient and compassionate with yourself, then what you'll get and what you'll achieve is recovery. The paradox of recovery is, once you are willing to be anxious, you become less anxious. It's weird, it's, it's kind of annoying. It's like you psych yourself up, like, come on then, I can do this. I've spent all this time, I'm willing to be anxious. What can you throw at me? And then it's like, well, I'm not doing it now. <laughs> it's really quite annoying. Um, but that's the way to go. And it does take a bit of time. Some days you're gonna be more willing than others. You're going to willfully tolerate anxiety on days when you've had a lot of sleep, you've not been drinking beer the night before, your kids haven't been stressing you out or your partner hasn't been stressing you out. 
work's not been on your case, perhaps you're feeling a bit run down with COVID or a cold or something like that. And guess what? Yeah, your, your ability to willfully tolerate is going to be less. And again, this is where language is important. And this is another pitfall I hear. Oh, Josh, I was doing well willfully tolerating my anxiety. But then on Sunday, I just couldn't be bothered. And I started compulsing and withdrawing, ruminating, Googling. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're not going to be perfect. You can't apply perfectionism. But what did you do on the Monday? Did you keep that going? And a lot of the time they're like, actually, no, on Monday I, I kind of stopped ruminating and, and, I, and I got back on and started trying again. And that's brilliant. And I love stuff like that. That's when you know that you're on it. That's when you know you're on the right track. Yes, you're not, it's not going to be perfect. And those, I don't even call them slip-ups, but those times where we forget to willfully tolerate, how quick can you get on the willfully tolerating bandwagon? How, can you, how quickly can you do it? No one's perfect. I certainly, as someone who is, you know, has been diagnosed with OCD in the past, I will always have the tendency to fixate and ruminate because that's what a lot of what people with OCD will do. It's part of their personality traits. And that's fine. But I've also cultivated the skill of willfully tolerating uncertainty when my OCD throws something at me. You know, if, if uh, an intrusive thought kind of is thrown at me, and it feels real, and everyone with OCD, so they always say, oh, but it feels real, mine feels real. I know, I've, I've had it. The alarm in my body makes me, makes me think like it's real. Yeah, but then I know that I'm not going to even analyze this till the alarm in my body's turned off because it's just going to convince me that it's real. So I'm going to willfully tolerate uncertainty. Now, am I, is, does that mean I'm going to completely do no, no compulsions? No, but I'm going to minimize them as much as I can, and even that's can be just as powerful. People who just don't like being anxious, um, practicing willful to, uh, tolerance is stopping the and reducing the body-centric obsessions. So if you're someone with GAD and generalized anxiety disorder and a lot of your focus is inwards and you're just checking to see if the anxiety is there, you might not necessarily suffer from panic attacks. You just hate anxiety. You've become obsessed with fixing the anxiety what you're doing every day is waking up checking to see if it's there is it there yet oh yeah it is then this is something that i've got done wrong and i have to keep fixating and looking at it waiting for it to go away um because that's you know that's now become my life i've built my life around trying to get rid of this anxiety but what you're actually doing there is compulsions they're called body-centric compulsions you're either ruminating about your anxiety so you're in your mind or you're scanning yourself with your attention and meanwhile life's going by you know rainbows are there birds flying around the earth you know we're going around the sun etc um we're still fixating it because what we're doing is we're not that's that's not willfully tolerating is it uh it's you can function 
And anyone with gout who can function and still does these compulsions, well done. You know, that's, that's tricky. You're brave. But what you've got to look at is what are your goals? My goal here is actually to practice willful tolerance of this. But if I'm constantly looking at my body and my symptoms and ruminating on what ifs all day, that's not really willfully tolerating, is it? And again, when I work, people on my course, they, they always ask about GAD. And stop fearing fear. Most of the questions that come up in the Facebook group are, what about GAD? What, what can you do for GAD? And it's like, well, what are you doing to teach the brain that this uncertainty is okay? Uh, actually, not much. I'm waking up and I'm just constantly fixating on how I feel. Well, is that teaching the brain that this uncertainty is okay? Actually, no, it's thanking the brain for bringing my attention to this uncertainty. And, and again, you know, but when we're looking at language and goals, if the goal's willful tolerance, but you can't get it 100% each time, then your language is super important. So the language might be, mm, okay, well, you know what, I, had a re I was really anxious for three days, but I'm really proud of myself for managing to do a lot of things still spent time with my family, I still did things around the house, I still went out for that day out, I still booked that holiday. And actually I noticed that during it, there were times where I weren't anxious. That is bang on, that's brilliant. Is that what you should settle for for the rest of your life? No, but that means you're on the right track. Yeah, I know it's weird, I know it's strange, and, and I've been there. And I, and I know it's natural to get excited when you go days without being anxious. But if you want to maintain that and keep going, you have to have that mindset, that mentality of willful tolerance. Because you will get anxious again. I'll get anxious again. Everyone gets anxious again. Even your friend or your, or your family member who never gets anxious, they will get anxious again. You know. But are they going to s s interpret that anxiety as me spiraling, going out of control, it's awful all this time, it's the worst, I'm never going to get better? Or are they going to go, oh, I'm anxious. That's interesting. It's probably because I've been stressed recently. It's actually a normal thing that happens in the body. But because become, we become so obsessed with recovery, so obsessed with the eradication of symptoms and feelings, that any sign of anxiety can equal failure. And that affects our language, that affects the semantics, that affects basically our path to recovery. And we have to stop that. Remember your goals. Just remember the goal. The goal is, I can do this anyway. I can do it anyway. In the Stop Fearing Fear course, which you can get at schoolofanxiety.com if you want to join, really affordable. You can join a nice Facebook group and share all your wins, see all their wins as well. Um, a lot of what we talk about is exposures, but exposures properly. A lot of people misinterpret exposures they think it's, uh, if I go to the scary place uh, and just kind of white knuckle and hopefully it'll go away, you know, check to see if it's gone away yet, and that's not an exposure. An exposure when it, you, is you, when you are scared, when you have hit the eights and nines. A lot of people think exposures are all like, you know, push it to a six or a seven and then run back to safe spaces or run back to comfort or reassurance. That's not really exposure. Um, my friend Drew, the Anxious Truth, and I we always talk about that. He's quite compassionate when it comes to, you know, going, you know, even getting out is a win. And to an extent, I agree with him. But at the same time, you can then become drawn to 
doing ineffectual exposures. And I'm a bit like, nah, come on, you can do it. Go and make yourself scared. That is the homework. Uh, and that's, if you can remember, this is the goal. Y you've got to be better at being scared. You know, uh, look at people. I don't really like roller coasters, but I did go on roller coasters as part of my recovery. And it was like, I look at people on roller coasters and they, they enjoy being petrified. You know, how many of you know people that enjoy frightening horror movies because they enjoy being petrified? Why? Because people on roller coasters know they're safe. Why? Because people watching horror movies deep down know that they're safe. And guess what? People with anxiety disorders, you are safe. You know, I'm not saying you have to go and enjoy your anxiety disorder. <laughs> I don't think many people uh, can do that, and I certainly couldn't. But I did enjoy challenging myself and succeeding in willfully tolerating, tolerating my anxiety and recovery. It's so important. It's really important. And this is what I say to you. So if you're the one of these people that keeps saying, oh, I got anxious and therefore I'm back to square one, well, you're wrong. And you've got to go back to the drawing board and actually remember what recovery is. You know, oh, uh, this anxiety will never go away. I'm going to ruminate and scan or whatever. It's back here. I had the worst panic attack ever. It was this and that. Well, sit back when you come and reflect and realize, was it? Was it the worst panic attack ever? Or were you just anxious? Because I'm of the firm belief for someone who's been there, had hundreds of panic attacks, been to A&E, done all these things that looking back, I was either anxious or I wasn't. I was either panicking or I wasn't. And, and it was that. There was no nothing else. Um, obviously, if you if you live with like chronic conditions and things and physical conditions, then yeah, I'm sure different anxiety can intermix with that. And I'll do a separate episode on chronic conditions as well. And so I don't want to be all ableist about everything. But it, but in general, for, for 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 panic and anxiety, yeah, you know, like that you're either anxious or you're not. You know and that's what you're going to remember. And am I tolerating it? Yes or not? Yes or no? Am I, you know, is the anxiety back and worse than ever? Or am I just tired and been stressed recently? You know, um, try not to technicify willful tolerance. And here's the last trap I'll talk to you about. You know, people think, well, I went to the park and did willful tolerance, but the anxiety was there anyway. And I didn't like it. Well, that's a complete, <laughs> complete contradiction. You, you, you didn't willfully tolerate it if you were then angry that it was there. You know, you know, I was driving in my car and I was anxious and then I was doing the willful tolerance, but then I, the anxiety just stayed. I was like, but I can hear in your language that you really hated it being there and I can hear in your language that you didn't willfully tolerate it. You did well to tolerate it, definitely. But did you willfully tolerate it? No. You know, and don't get me wrong, there's merit in tolerating I'm not being harsh. If you tolerate anxiety, that's brilliant. But if you want to step forward into recovery, you've got to willfully tolerate it. You know, it, that willfulness is so important. And that can apply to anxiety in all aspects of your life. I'm going to put my soapbox away now. Um, and I hope that some of you found this interesting. Uh, it's an important one, and it's just to address questions that I hear quite a lot. Um, if you want to join the Stop Fearing Fear course group, feel free. Uh, you get 10% off if you're a podcast listener as well. You can just use the code PANICPOD10. 
Uh, I'm going to keep creating and recording these podcast episodes for the Panic Board. I'm really enjoying it. Um, if you've not read my books yet, Untangle Your Anxiety is still a bestseller. It's doing really well. Uh, and Anxiety Practical About Panic is out. Um, I've also got... Um, well, so I've got social media stuff. If you don't know already, you know my name's Anxiety Josh on social media, and you can find all those things as well. But for now, good luck willfully tolerating that anxiety and uncertainty. You can do it at all times, whether it's as soon as you wake up and feel that doom feeling, or whether it's you've got anticipatory anxiety for something coming up that you're a bit scared of, or perhaps you're just a ruminator. Whatever it is, Go and practice the willful tolerance of it and see where we are. Also, if you want to join our Did It Anyway campaign on, on my Instagram, lots of people send me messages and they're like, here's my hashtag, Did It Anyways. I love that because that's willful tolerance in its purest form. And if you want to send one over, that's great. I apologize. I can't read all my messages because I get quite a lot. Um, but the, I will try and get my way through them as best I can and, and at least read them all as well. You have a lovely rest of your day or evening, or if you're listening in the middle of the night, you're okay. I hope you're all right tomorrow, and I wish you all the best, and I'll see you in the next episode of The Panic Pod. <laughs>